Welcome to the Premier League Forever Forest podcast. Forever Forest podcast. It is your favourite substitute teacher. It is Kieran Curtis on hosting duties with Ryan Freebury away. With me tonight, we have got Holly Royal all the way from the capital following uh, what I imagine was a fun train journey home at the weekend, Holly. (laughs) Yeah, it was very interesting. I mean, the way that I actually thought we weren't going to make kickoff, it was that bad. Um, there was, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of sweating it and kind of pushing. Oh, it was just awful, but we got there in the end and we decided that the best uh, course of action was to get a taxi from Nottingham to Grantham on the way back, which cost us a fortune, but who cares? Cause we won. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, the train companies have got a lot to answer for, for that one. Cause it was literally like two, must've been about 200 palace fans got off the London train, all trying to cram onto a two carriage train from Grantham to Nottingham. So yeah, that was fun nationalize the railway um we'll uh we'll move on and we'll welcome our other guest tonight it is dan all the way from nyc you done pinting yet dan done what sorry you done pinting oh pinting sorry yeah, right i thought i'd missed some kind of tradition what's, what, no. what's the vernacular now for you what i'm doing just drinking heavily yeah yeah um i'm kind of off it at the moment i think after a saturday for at least another day and then I'll be back on it again. Just to, do you ever get do you ever get past that feeling of like I know it's a cliche, but literally the next morning going I'm never doing that again. This is like the worst thing ever. And then within 48 hours going I could really do with a day out on the beer. Yeah, do you know what? I turned 32 this year, and it is the first time I've started to feel two day hangovers from what would have been a mild session back in the day. Yeah. It's depressing, but I feel your pain entirely. Well, do you know what? Let's get stuck right into it. Is this possibly the happiest week we have had in the Premier League season? Obviously, we've had far happier weeks back in the uh, the earlier half of the year. What a belter it's been. We, off the back of uh, the Spurs victory, rolling into Paris. We've, Paris? Palace. Uh, we're, uh, we're going into the World Cup. Suddenly back in contention, the mood seems to have lifted considerably. Uh, Hope is high. Derby are confirmed as the worst team in Premier League history still. Life is good. Holly, describe the mood for us. Oh, it's fantastic. Finally, finally, it's enjoyable just for a little bit to be a Forest fan again. I mean, it's only two games, so I like to not get too ahead of ourselves, but it's looking really, really promising, isn't it? And... uh... I'm really loving the uh, the three musketeers up front that seem to be doing the business at the moment in Morgan Gibbs-White and Jesse Lincard and, uh, uh, and Brennan Johnson as well. So, yeah, I just wish that, you know, we didn't have this break now. We could really do with a, with a Saturday game um, just to keep up the momentum. But, yeah, it's looking really promising. And the trust in Cooper is so far paying off, I think, which is another real, real positive at the moment. Yeah, things are are starting to click would probably be the catchphrase of the weekend. Uh, I saw so many tweets with everyone saying, oh, maybe maybe we're starting to gel now. Um, 
Yeah, the break comes at an interesting point. But before we get into that, let's go with the first game of last week. We're into the last 16 of the Carabao Cup. A really, really good win against the Spurs team that, you know, they started with Harry Kane. There was plenty of strength in, in that side. I didn't go into that one feeling too optimistic. I just wanted to, I think I said on the last pod that, that I was on, just wanted us to trial a couple of players, maybe uh, bring a few into the fold. We've still not seen Loic Barde. Don't know where he is. Uh, Dan, where were you watching that one from? Uh, I watched that one at home, actually. Uh, it was on TV over here, luckily. I think there's some weird thing with the Carabao Cup where they they seem to have the rights and then no one shows it. But luckily it was on in the US. Um, yeah, and it was um, it was just pleasurable to watch, to be honest. I think same same feeling, which is you never know with the Cup games what you just don't know what to expect, right? You could, it could have been an absolute drubbing. I think they only made a couple of changes from their last Premier League game. We made nine, I think. Was it nine? Yeah, it was nine. a lot anyway. Um, and it just felt like we found a bit of a rhythm. I was just looking up now uh, that like what's happened this week and everything else. We're still not having like massive possession. We're still, you know, the team that are playing on the counter. But I remember at the start of the season, we were kind of like, celebrating on here if we had a shot on target or you know had a, a couple of corners i think we had 14 shots and eight on target which is kind of like champions backlight being last year again in the championship and uh creating opportunities so it's just kind of whether it was two nil whether it's one nil whether we drew whatever it may have been it's just it was just enjoyable to watch it was a good game of football i think and we were on the uh on the uh, upside of that and Spurs didn't look great, but um, I've said in the past, like, you know, maybe when we're playing teams who aren't that good, we don't want to get too carried away. I actually think they didn't look great because we just played well, to be honest. So it was my, I think it was the most positive game of this season for me out of all of them uh, to that point, um, at least. Yeah, we started from kickoff. It had a few shades of the Liverpool game to me. We We got in... The opposition's face and again yeah echoing yourself down no we're not a possession based side but it's about what you do with it and that's where we seem to finally be finding our feet maybe getting up to the pace of top level football reading the game a little bit better um is there anyone in particular that's been key to that or, or is it just everyone starting to come together um so for me, I think and it's it's easy to pick them out, but the two goal scorers in that game specifically, um, if everyone plays to the best, we've got some players who are head, should be head and shoulders above the rest, right? Lodi's played for Atletico Madrid. He's a Brazil international. Lingard's played for England. He's played for Man U, did very well at West Ham. So if everyone plays to their kind of known potential, these guys are the ones that should be our star players, quote unquote. And on Tuesday or Wednesday night, they, they were absolutely. Um, so I think everyone's, starting to find their rhythm and when you've got players that cost a lot of money and are you know highly valued then when they're finding the rhythm you start to see stuff that we haven't seen at the city ground for a while like a uh, Lodi's goal for example which was Sam Surridge-esque in it's uh and it's curling into the top corner yeah and I think uh Lisa would kill me if we didn't mention it uh Jesse Lingard very much key uh to getting that ball to Lodi decent tackle put in uh, from, from him. We'll come on to Lingard in, in a little bit as well. But just having a look back on those stats. So Spurs did have the lion's share of the ball, 59% of possession. They had nine shots in the game, but only two on target. Whereas we had 41% of the ball, 14 shots in the game, eight shots on target. 
And what I quite liked to see was we had nine corners. We're starting to do things with the ball. It's not necessarily about having it constantly. Uh, Holly, what was your take on, on that game? It's nice to see us being quite dogged in defence as well, but then putting, you know, some decent attacks together as well, because, you know, that we, we've got one part sort of sorted and then we just need to build on the rest. And I think, yeah, we just built on the on the home game, didn't we? The uh, Sorry, the, the league game against Spurs, I felt. I'd like to think that it wasn't that the World Cup players were sort of holding back a little bit. There's been talk of maybe Kane you know, not wanting to get injured. Um, but... I thought Wild coming back in was fantastic. I thought he played really, really well. Uh, and obviously that went on to, to the Palace game, apart from obviously the, the penalty. But, um, and yeah, like Dan said, like the two players that have been getting the most, well, abuse um, or, you know, negative kind of feedback, let's say, um, both scored. And that says everything to me. I think, you know, and Lingard scoring was a massive, massive moment as well, I think, just to kind of keep his confidence going. And I think it really, really showed that he's really growing into it now and he's showing little little sparks so um yeah really really positive and the fact that we took it into the league game on Saturday as well I think was a massive positive as well yeah can Alan March give more players a bit of shit on the podcast every week that that seemed to <laughs> uh to really inspire the troops going into that one um Renan Lodi in that game I don't think he's convinced absolutely everyone but he's proven he's got a bit of quality uh, he he can clearly yeah uh, he can clearly finish one and I don't know about you because we were playing very well in that game but without a finish like that was a breakthrough coming I I I wasn't so sure I was very relieved to see someone uh, have a shot from outside the box because we pretty much lived on six yard efforts and then uh, that was very much the case with uh, with Lingard's finish as as well as he earned himself. A reprieve. Are people going to give him a bit more time now? I'd I'd hope so. I I was one who was kind of saying last week. You know, I'm not sure if he fits the what we're trying to do and everything else. So I'll be the first to eat those words. But I think another thing that helps is, and we've said this time and time again, it's a team game, right? I don't think it's a coincidence that he's started to look better going forward and on the ball when we've swapped to what I would say. I'm not going to say a better by any means, but our more mobile central defenders. So I think putting Worrell and um, Bowley together in the middle, it gives something different. Like McKenna and Cook have done a great job, kept a number of clean sheets, but they're a different type of back two to Worrell and Bowley. And I think maybe you don't see it in individual stats, but when you put it together, I know it's quite a lot of the time, those guys being a bit more agile and a bit more mobile and covering a bit more. And maybe it's just picking the right four or five at the back together that work as a unit. And that might, you know, not necessarily the... Uh, formation that so suits Lodi but um more of the personnel that gel together to create a, a decent back four and I, I don't think it's any coincidence that the last two games we've looked good at the back but we've looked better going forward and I, I personally put that down to the back the central defenders yeah he must have done some work on the in the gym and on the training ground since the early part of the season because uh certainly didn't have Joe Worrell down as the more mobile member uh <laughs> Certainly a bit more light, lightweight, but I didn't have him down as the uh, the more mobile figure. Do you know who made real difference for me in that game? Oral Mangala. He looked great. He looked great, and the red card was so frustrating because oh, I wish we would have got to see him at the weekend. Yeah, he really. It looked like one of his best games in a in the Garibaldi, didn't it? And it's just like, oh, 
one of those points you're just like really it's just the, the luck that we have but um I'm really looking forward to seeing him coming back to be honest I think yeah he looked fantastic in that game but really assured and seemed like a really nice character as well so yeah I think he was still smiling as he went off the pitch yeah, yeah I mean he was somewhat unfortunate in um in my mind with the the red card not it, it indisputable that it was a red card for a second yellow um but his first contact on the ball was perfect it's just that that right leg that then followed and, and hooked round. Who was it he was challenging? Was it Richarlison? Yeah, for the second one. Yeah, all right. I can't fault him at all then. Yeah, he 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 looked great. Real shame to to have lost him at the at the weekend. But um yeah, really, really good performance. And Jesse Lingard finally on the score sheet hopefully that gets some other people off off another player's back who all right we might not have had the return that we would have wanted in terms of assists and actual goals but i i think you'd find very few people that would knock him for effort or or am i am i reading that one wrong have you guys been underwhelmed by him as well i know you kind of went over this um last week but hindsight's 2020 so I wanted to give you that opportunity I think in the last few games probably the last three he's shown a lot more endeavour before that I was starting to I think was it after the what was the game before Brentford I, there was a tweet and his his um his stats were on there and they looked absolutely terrible oh that was the art was that the Arsenal game yeah that's Arsenal? right that's right and then there was something else about potential getting rid of him in January or getting him on loan on Jan- in January um, and at that point, I was thinking, yeah, maybe. Um, but the last couple of games, he looks like a bit of a different player, really. Um, and that goal is going to do him the ones. I mean, it's a cliche, isn't it? But it's going to do him one so good, isn't it? It's, it's, you can see that. Um, yeah. Um, no, I, I think I'm slowly changing my mind about Lingard. Um, and I can't, again, he's another one. I, I really can't wait to see him post World Cup, see what he can do. Kicks on now and um, hopefully scores a few more goals. Did anyone else have to Google gritty after the game? Yeah, yeah. I'll put my hands up to that. I had no idea. I just felt really, really old. Yeah, there's a lot of people who I think are pretending to understand that. Uh, like, hopefully we're, we're all left with a deep knowledge of what the gritty is come the end of the season anyway. Has anyone, has anyone tried it yet? Oh, yeah. Non-stop, mate. <laughs> Around the non-stop. house. In the supermarket aisles, when I'm on my way up the escalator at work. It doesn't work as well on an escalator. I'm a bit off balance, to be honest. All, all the TikTok dances, mate. Let's let's keep them coming. Um, and uh, we're actually going to see a bit of him on TV tomorrow night, I believe, in the UK. I don't know, Dan, how you'd be fixed for um, catching that stateside. But I have my methods. To, yeah, it promises to be a pretty interesting look into what his life has been in recent times. I know... In general, we talk about uh, mental health and people need to be more open, um, willing to talk about uh, what goes on behind closed doors. And uh, yeah, footballers not immune. Um, I read the Guardian article um, today, which obviously was a little bit of a, a preview to it. But um, I think maybe Jesse Lingard is def- is at the right club. I, I don't know um, how you guys feel about it, but... Under was Cooper it... and how how we built a squad last year, we're a good home for misfits and uh, for people who potentially need a bit of an arm around them. They they couldn't ask for a better manager. Is the documentary about his last um, season at Man U? Yeah, or it certainly goes into it. 
it's yeah, from that, that point forward, yeah and, and, yeah, and struggles with his him and his mum and, and family, yeah. Yeah, it promises to be quite deep, I think. Mm. Um, so can't really cast uh, any uh, meaningful judgment on it until we've seen it. But uh, yeah, if uh, hopefully by the time people are listening to this, I, I don't know if I'll get this out quickly enough for people as a warning to tune in. But yeah, have a look at your TV guide tomorrow, guys. Uh, Jesse Lingard's on. Um, right, moving on then. So we went from the high of. Was it Tuesday night? Tuesday, Wednesday? <laughs> Wednesday. Uh, went from the high of the Wednesday night into Saturday. The mood shifted dramatically when people saw the team sheet. Were people as questioning of, of Cooper as they were on social? Um. Well, in the pub when we had a look at it, we were kind of like, well, did they really expect him to start the same team against Spurs? Really? Um, I mean, I was quite happy, to be honest. I generally in the pub it seemed like it was just like okay well you know Cooper we trust kind of thing you know we've come off the back of the win so um didn't really hear much banter about it in the stands but um yeah as soon as it kicked off it didn't really matter because you know we were on the front foot and that's all that mattered really yeah I hold my hands up I thought we were slipping back to the slightly arrogant uh set up without a number nine um I'm glad it paid off uh, but for a penalty going the other side of the post, it could have been a different story, but no point dwelling on what could have been a negative when we've got what is an overwhelming positive out of it. Uh, it worked. Is that going to be what we expect to see post-World Cup, Dan? Well, I think the front three seems to be what he's comfortable with. And again, I think we adjust it to have a number nine. If if you say that Tyre or, or Surridge are, are true number nines when we're playing certain teams, which I like. I like the fact that he's willing to kind of change things up a bit. But I think uh, for those kind of home games, those front three, the midfield is an interesting one for me because I think Mangala not being available on Saturday made a decision for him. Um, I think people have been on the... I don't want to say they've been on the back of Freuler, but I think people have been expecting something a bit more in your face from him and a bit more visible given where he came from. Um, but uh, you look at all his stats and he's doing what he's being asked to do. Yates is doing what he's asked to do. Kayate is doing what he's asked to do. Um, so you've probably got like, I don't know, any three from five in the middle. And I was even surprised to see Colback coming on at the end. You kind of forget some of these players around the periphery, you know, um, as well. So I think the midfield, we're starting to see kind of taking all those players we bought we're starting to see maybe it's yeah three from five and the other two on the bench and then the defense as I'm, I alluded to earlier it's a really interesting one for me because it's almost different units that fit together so I can see why you play McKenna and Cook the kind of no-nonsense pairing um, but I've been really impressed with Bolly and Worrell as a pairing as well so I, I wonder whether he's going to kind of rotate them as as groups or duos rather than treat them as four individuals. Still surprised there's a number of players that we haven't seen yet. Um sure there's reasons for that. Again, we saw um Mbeso on the bench on I think it was in for both games, right? If I'm correct. Um and I didn't think he would be as high up the pecking order. So it seems for whatever reason that Cooper's now got his his core that he wants to work with, a couple of injuries obviously to come back. Um so I'll be I'll be mainly interested to see how those players kind of fit in we've got Omar Richards to come back we've got Toffolo to come back uh we've got another fullback to come back I'm trying to think who that is but suddenly competition for places is quite high and everyone's kind of proved their worth 
uh, and then we'll see if we go out and spend any more money. But um, I, you kind of feel like you can pick at least 15 or 16 of the squad now, which I don't think we could do a month ago. Yeah, and you mentioned a pretty busy midfield. We've got the likes of Scarpa coming in in, in January. Is that actually nailed on? I've seen everyone talking about it like it like the thing, but I've not seen any official yeah, he's signed. Nailed on. Dan's nodding at me. <laughs> yes. So I think there was some ambiguity around the fact because he's obviously left left Palmeiras. Um and there was some ambiguity about whether he was going to be at Olympiacos or whether he was coming to us. Um but he I saw an interview with him the other day actually saying that his um his manager in South America basically said you should go to Forest and go to the Premier League. So unless you can never say never, I guess, <laughs> given given the ownership, but um as far as I'm aware the contract is with Forest. Fair. Give me one second, because I'm gonna edit this out in a second. My dog is going absolutely west. Anyway, uh where had we got to? <laughs> Scarpa. Yes, Scarpa. Uh Scarpa coming in and the, the congestion. Look, we'll um we will go on to how we think January might look. Obviously, we'll get the benefit of what we got three games before uh before the actual window opens. Uh Blackburn, United, then Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. Was Chelsea in the new year? Oh, it's the first, isn't it? There we go. So Chelsea to open the new year. And uh, a couple of friendlies as well. So we've got Olympiacos in Greece, and then we've got Villarreal in Spain. I think they're the two that have been announced. So, bit of warm weather training for yeah. for the lads. Um, right. Well, go, going back to uh, the the game at the weekend, I was at a family reunion for my dad's um, dad's side of the family, and do you know what was really nice. There was like four generations of people all huddling around phones. Uh, just trying to to keep up with the game via Twitter because none of us uh, could find a stream that was obviously entirely legal. Um, so we yeah we were all huddled round and I won't lie, when I saw penalty awarded, Joe Worrell hands on a man in the box, I was ready to absolutely lose it because I was hoping Joe was going to come. Ryan Yates is someone who has clearly risen to the challenge of the Premier League. And he just seems to get better and better with every game, as much as some members of our uh, of our community of fans might not like to admit it. He's looked mustard. Joe Worrell has needed a break and he's needed uh, some time away from, from uh, the first team to, uh, or at least the starting lineup, to develop and acclimatise with the league. It felt like it was all for nothing, <laughs> briefly, very, very briefly. Do you guys watch it back? Do you, do you think there was much in it? A bit handsy. Yeah, I watched it back for this, actually. I've watched the extended highlights, and uh, he turns him really well, doesn't he? It's a little bit... I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's an absolute stonewall for me. It depends what angle you watch it back on, to be fair. Uh, yeah, but I, there is I, a slight I... naivety, though, isn't there, about it still with Joe? He's just... Couple and, of a couple of notches off the pace in certain areas, I think, um, and that is exactly it for me. It wasn't, uh, oh no, Stonewall Joe's thrown him to the ground or anything. It was just you, you can't put your hands on players like Wilfred Zahar inside the box. That they're too they're too long in the tooth now in that division. They're, they're always going to um, 
get the benefit, shall we say. Um, but no harm, no foul, I guess, uh, with with the end result. Did that change things in the game? Uh, again, didn't have the benefit of, of witnessing it live. I know, uh, Dan, you managed to, to watch it, didn't you? Yeah, I was watching it in the pub. Um, so I don't know if it changed anything like on the field. I, I wasn't paying that closer attention. Um, but I think certainly from a confidence point of view, in these games where we're playing players who are clearly, you know, Premier League class like Wilfred Zahar, I always start watching them and there's just trepidation at the moment still, even though we've been, you know, decent recently. There's always that trepidation of please let us not be too down in the first 20 minutes kind of thing. That's the first aim to get past. It's almost still like a cup tie where you think we've not played these guys before. We don't really know what they're they're up against. You know, I think uh, Worrell said it in the interview after the game. It's one thing watching Premier League football. It's another thing playing it. So I'm still kind of sat there a bit nervous for the first 20 minutes going, let's just at least see that we're capable of, you know, giving these guys a game. Um, once we missed that, my kind of confidence went up that, well, hang on a minute here, we're, we're still in it, we're not doing too badly, we're not behind yet, because um, the moment you get behind in the Premier League, it's just horrible, isn't it? Because every team is just happy to to take the 1-0 and get out, and they're pretty good at it. So yeah, I think for me it did, and the confidence, and it sounded, Holly can probably speak more to this, but it sounded in the stadium that it kind of, again, like just lifted everyone again and you went into half-time with a whole different feeling of the game. So I don't know, Holly, if it was like that at the, at the ground. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, we've been very guilty of when we've gone behind um, in games to so just to go quiet, really. And it was just like, there was a whole different atmosphere through that game. It was just a constant. And I think it really got us over the line. I don't think it should be underestimated how much we really rely on that crowd and um, I thought we were fantastic on Saturday. Um, had that penalty gone in, it would have been a whole different story and it may have been, uh, well, who knows? But yeah, no, it was fantastic. I mean, we absolutely outsung Crystal Palace and I saw on, on Twitter a lot of the fans were praising how great the atmosphere was in the ground and I know we don't get an extra couple of goals for that, but I'm always incredibly proud to hear that from the fans and to also hear from other fans to say that, you know, that they enjoy coming to the city ground. They feel like there's a, a real sort of cauldron kind of atmosphere in there. And um, it just makes it fun, even if you are losing, you know, I mean, I know we don't always get behind the crowd when we are losing, but you know, it's just, I'm just so proud of that with Forrest and uh, yeah, it definitely helped on Saturday for sure. Yeah. We seem to have replaced Stoke in the atmosphere stakes uh, <laughs> in the Premier League. Everyone who's gone about the, that flat pack stadium being a bit of a cauldron. Um, the trick is having football that warrants it. <laughs> um, and I think that's maybe where we uh, are, are, are a cut above them, um, at least. Um, I, once the goal went in, I was incredibly nervous. Um, us and sitting on Leeds hasn't been a forte. Uh, admittedly, had a bit more confidence following the Spurs game because uh, I could tell you even at 2-0 in that one I wasn't feeling that confident especially when Jed came on and actually started running at us that wasn't uh, that wasn't fun viewing um, uh, yeah I, I was I was pretty nervous um, I don't know if that that was the again the case in the stadium or the, the case for, for anybody else but what a massive boost for us surely that's now three games at home where we've played uh teams you know West Ham 
Liverpool, all right, Palace probably not the pick of the bunch uh, in all that. And if we were ever going to be confident of hanging on to a 1-0 against any of those three, it would be them. But, Dan, you mentioned it. Teams start to get a little bit of a an ability uh, to to sit on those kind of results. That's massive for us that we're now starting to be able to grind games out. Is that given we're now back in touching distance? Is that the kind of, the home fortress? Is it becoming what we predicted it needed to be at the start of the season? Yeah, and I think I think Patrick Vieira said something after the game. I was watching his interview. Um about you know and there wasn't much about Forrest in it of course he was interested in Palace but he did mention that he he, he singled out a couple of times the pace of our front three uh, especially when you've got Johnson and you know Lingard's dangerous and Morganham's white can do stuff I think once we're leading and because we play with that kind of um you know that kind of counter-attacking style it's very difficult for teams to come and then go all right we're gonna we're gonna absolutely you know crystal palace they couldn't really commit everyone forward it reminds me of that um game in the championship in the sabri season where we beat leeds and i think it was ty was it tyler walker who scored yeah he got the second goal he got the second yeah. to pull it off. yeah and they just felt a lot of moments like that on saturday where you're not in control it's not you're not playing in their half but you're watching a game where you go, okay, we're letting Palace have the ball. They had like three times as much, uh, you know, passing uh, passes as we did during the game. But you could just tell they had to be tentative. They had to keep a couple back. And there was quite a few occasions where we got the ball. I think Lingard was offside for that one he went through on and put over the bar. Johnson had a couple of opportunities where suddenly, you know, why not invite them on? Because then suddenly, as soon as the ball breaks, they're in trouble again. And I think teams know that. And it sounded like Crystal Palace knew that where... You know, you're playing the bottom of the league team, you're losing 1-0, you want to go and try and get goals back, but you stood there with, you know, 50, 60, 70 million uh, pounds worth of players up front who can go past your defenders. And I don't think anyone likes that particularly. So, yeah, I think we're set up to play that way. I think we're set up to defend Leeds now. Um, and I think we've got the pe- we've got the skill and the flair up front. And then we've got people like Ryan Yates, who's just willing to, you know, take a punch in the face whenever needed to to get us through. I mean, all well and good, but it is completely dependent on us getting into those leading positions. Um, do we? Was it from the off, Polly? Like, were we on the front foot? Because that's what we're going to have to keep replicating if we if we're going to play like that. Because I don't disagree with Dan. We are really dangerous when teams try and play out against us, especially if they're the kind of team that want to have fullbacks bombing up. Uh, down the wings then we'll have space out wide for the likes of Gibbs White and Lingard and Johnson to rotate and exploit at will Uh, but it is completely contingent on us having a lead and forcing a team out yeah I mean the thing I've noticed the most in the last couple of games is just the the possession and the urgency like we couldn't keep the ball for Toffee could we um back in the days of the Wolves game and Arsenal etc um it just fit. I really noticed on Saturday the pace, like it was quite frantic at times. Um, and also, one thing I wanted to point out was we, I thought we we defended our corners gall- gallantly. Like, just Willie Bolly is just that extra edge. He's just taller than everybody else on that field, and he just I don't know just added that kind of stature and sort of demeanor in in the penalty area. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to build on here. It just feels very quietly confident across the whole pitch, and um, something that we didn't have before. You know, after lead, after sorry, not Leeds, um, 
the Leicester game, I mean, it just looked terrible, didn't it? There was players arguing with each other and we just looked an absolute mess. So, um, no, I'm really confident now. Uh, we're just going about our business nicely. And, um, yeah. Yeah, sticking with uh, Cooper and giving him that contract is... Uh, Absolutely gonna... huge. The best yeah. decision we could have made, really, honestly. I mean... I was one watching that game against Leicester in the pub, head in hands, just thinking, no, that's it, he's gone, definitely he's gone. And, you know, look at us now. I mean, you could never have imagined it, really, but... I think it comes down... Yeah, it comes down a lot to what we talked about. I'm not saying that we were the only ones to talk about this, but just the idea that you're not going to gel a team that quickly. Mm. You're going to need time. And surprise, surprise, all those, all those clichés people were saying about it being a big squad and needing to gel and time on the field... As soon as he started to have that, we've started to, and it, I'm making it sound as though we've qualified for Europe, but we're, we're slowly and surely improving. And it, I was quite interested to see the fact that the last couple of games, now we know we're going into the break, Cooper's kind of taken the mask off a bit and said, look, I didn't want to talk about this all the time and everything else. But we it has been really difficult for everyone involved. And I don't think he wanted to make excuses. He didn't want the narrative to be anything different. He wanted to take responsibility for it. Now we're at the end of that run and we've got a bit of time off. He's the first one to say, yeah, everything that everyone's been saying is true. It's not easy to gel a big team of players together. And then finally we're getting there. So yeah, You could see the weight was off his shoulders at the final whistle on Saturday. I mean, he celebrated like I've not seen since last season. I mean, you know, two wins on the bounce, of course, albeit in the cup and the league. But the fact that the fist pumps came back, I mean, honestly, what more could you want, really? Um, and he really gave it to the to the A block as well. Like he was just impassioned and his little jump onto Joe Worrell and stuff. I mean, you know, he yeah, must be getting such relief, honestly. I think it, what it was, he was just releasing all that tension that must have been on his shoulders for so long. Can you imagine? I mean, gosh. He feels yeah. authentic. Yeah. Like it's an authentic connection with the fans. Like, yeah, maybe he's a bit Machiavellian at times and, and playing the press about injuries, uh, or certainly last season he, he was. But yeah, having watched that back, that fist, those those fist pumps this time round, there was nothing standard or routine uh, about that. Maybe if he is being a little bit shrewd, he is just sending us all into a break, riding on a proper high. And... He's going to keep the uh, the good vibes going for as long as they can, um, given what, how many weeks have we got off now? Four or five? Um, some, something like that. I'm bad at maths. Um, yeah, he, he he looked like the the weight of the world had come off him. Uh, he was even swept off his feet by by Joe Worrell. And Joe, Joe looked the same. Joe, Joe looked the same in that moment. Um, th- there was... Uh, you don't want to preempt these things, but we've mentioned possible turning points along the way. Going into this break, now we're not bottom of the league at Christmas. We've uh, surpassed the first goal as far as the fans would have it. You know, looking up the table, what are we? Something like six points off ninth. Like that's two wins. A couple of weeks ago, everyone was saying that Everton were were looking comfortable again and and out of the trouble. Right back in it. Leeds look like they're back in it. West Ham are definitely uh, having a bit of a wobble under um, 
uh, under David Moyes. Who knows what way that'll go come the new year. Southampton have hired Nathan Jones for some reason. That smacks of a team who are already preparing for life in the championship, if you ask me. Um, you know, I'm setting myself up here to <laughs> get karmic retribution come the end of the year, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Wolves just cannot buy a win. Um as far if you look in the bottom half of the table, bar maybe Villa and Leicester, I think we are by far the team with the most positivity surrounding them at the minute. Maybe Bournemouth, but there's a lot of question marks around their around their situation. Yeah, uh, I, I, it, it's we're in the relegation zone, but it's a good time to be a Forest fan again. I think absolutely. If you look at the brand of football we played last year and the brand around the team, it was all about togetherness, whether it was stuff that were, you know, printing uh, good luck messages from the family and putting them in the dressing room or whatever it was. It was trying to foster a relationship between the manager and the players and the fans and everything else. And if you look at what's happened over the last four or five games, I, you know, I'm not saying one necessarily leads directly to the other with the results, but you've had Morgan Gibbs-White score a couple. You've had Lingard come into form a little bit. You've got Worrell back in the team. You've got Yates in there proving that he's capable. And suddenly you start very slowly building a core again of players that the fans go, OK, this isn't a group of mercenaries we've brought in, 32 players I can't pronounce the names of, all of that. There's a, there's a core squad here that I can get behind again. And there's a true brand to it that I believe in. And it's Cooper's brand again. So it's almost Steve Cooper 2.0. Last year, he got us up and now he's starting to build that. And if you look at the timeline as well, it's spookily coincidental to how it went in his first season last year. Admittedly, he didn't have the first seven games with us, but you got to this point of the year and so you're like, well, okay, we maybe might, we should be safe now and maybe we'll get mid-table. Uh, and I think we had Dane on the podcast, what, a couple of weeks before Christmas or maybe a bit before that when we recorded it. And he was going, oh, you know, maybe we'll get top 10s, what we want to try to do next. And then maybe we'll get to the playoffs. And we ended up going all the way. So I'm not saying we're going to do anything spectacular, but it just feels as though the common denominator is Cooper and all the things that he tried to do last year. He's kind of replicating for the for the feel good factor, both on and off the pitch. And we're even having VAR decisions go for us now. Like, I'll be honest, I saw a, a still of that. I thought he was offside. I thought it was offside. It wasn't until I saw a match of the day and then you finally saw the player in front of him um, that, that gave it on an angle. But that's been the biggest indicator that maybe our luck is turning. Um, Dan, you mentioned there the common denominator being Cooper. We are Nottingham Forest. We are heading towards a transfer window. We have already signed 23 players and spent 150 million. Of course, the rumours have already started about us spending more. Regardless of rumours, have we even got the room in the squad? Like, what? what we can only yeah, have I, I, I'm baffled by this. I might, I might have to hand over to Holly on this one because honestly, I look around, I'm like, I'm not saying we've got the 11 best players in the league, but I do not understand how you start making more changes again when we've just started to look settled, apart from potentially a proper striker. And when I mean a proper striker, I mean if you're going to go and spend 100 million again, spend it all on one person and go and get, well, not maybe 100 million, but you know, you look at uh, Tony or someone like that and go, if you really want to give it a go, then get someone who's going to get you 10 plus goals in the second half of the season. But beyond that, you've really got to be looking at a serious upgrade to start messing around with the team again, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the only players who I maybe worry for are 
it depends on their standing with the manager, I guess, but it is your Jack Colbacks, um, players who are potentially seen as fringe players who've uh, maybe at boardroom level might not be perceived as uh, selling enough shirts uh, or, or whatever the uh, decision making process could be there. But I'm with you, Dan. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really change it at, at this point. Um, maybe at a push. Lodi could have his loan scrapped. Maybe that opens up uh, a spot. Uh, not entirely necessary, but about the only person who I could see, given the, the form that we've been developing, as expendable within that. I don't know. How, how do you see it, Holly? Yeah, I don't think we should be overcomplicating things now. We're just seeing like we're getting a little bit of a, a rhythm going, which has taken so long. Um, I think the only one for, for me would be, you know, talking about the potential of, of Lodi going out on loan. Like there's been a lot of people sort of having a little chat about the, the thought of Jed Spence being taken on loan. I mean, I don't know what you guys would, how you guys would feel about that. Um, whether it's just the, for me personally, I'm a sentimental old fool and um, seeing him in a red shirt would just make my heart sing. But do we need him? Probably not. Um, but I don't know what, what you guys think of that one. Would you take him back? I don't know who you're dropping for him. That's the problem. Like exactly. I, I get it. it, but you've got Nico Williams. You've got we've got uh, Richards coming back, who's not played mm. for us yet. I don't know what that, what's going on there and how long he'll take to get up to speed. You got Toffler, you got Lodi. Yeah, there's a lot of people to cram in, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd same. Love to have Spence back. It's just a it's a weird one where you kind of want all these players, and then when you've got a squad full of them, you and they start gelling, you're like, well. Yes, Harry Toffolo is not going to set the league on fire, but he's pretty—he's done all right. And as a as a backup, not to patronise the guy at all, but as a backup, why would I get rid of him or put him down to fourth in the pecking order to bring someone else in who probably won't start ahead of Williams and and others anyway? But um, and Aurier—we haven't mentioned Aurier to be honest. Yeah, he's he's been great. Um, so again, a difficult one. There's plenty of names out there that you'd take if you're in kind of football manager mode, but I think we've probably learned that football manager mode isn't the, the mode to be in at the moment. Well, we may have learned that. I don't know if everyone involved in the club has, uh, <laughs> has learned that, but we shall find out in the coming weeks. Right, we are going into a rather contentious World Cup. Uh, how many players is it we're losing? Is it five? Who, who won't be training with the squad. We've got yeah. Nico, Brennan and Wayne. They're all off with uh, the Welsh squad. Uh, Koyate with Senegal. Froiler with Switzerland. Yeah. Huang Wee Joe will be at the tournament, but obviously doesn't affect us in any way, shape or form, I believe. Um, and anyone else? We've got plenty of loans going. Ethan Horvath for the US. Um. Laria, yeah, Laria for Canada. Um, who was the other one? It just sprung to mind. Draga, infamous oh, right back, the forgotten man. Yeah, Draga. Imagine, Draga. I mean, he's going with Tunisia, so we'll not hold our breath. But just imagine if he came back with something. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think ten in total, five on loan, and five who we've got in the squad. But yeah, five who we're missing. <sighs> Fair. Well, not not really detrimental to us then. Uh, it, Coop's going to have a lot of lads that he can still have a really good look at. As you mentioned earlier, we've got a couple of friendlies uh, on, on the horizon, some warm winter training. Joe was talking about getting himself in the gym 
uh, at, at the weekend post-match. Good break, bad break. Would we have liked to have kept playing? Or does this benefit us over, you know, your likes of you, Man United, and your Chelsea's, who I said it last time, we're going to come back and they're going to have lost a lot of players during this period. Gives us a chance to catch them cold. Yeah, I mean, given our results, I, I you know, I think this break's come at the worst time, really. Um, we just want to keep playing. So it could work either way, really. Uh, who knows? It remains to be seen. Um, I just hope that Nico and Johnson come back as absolute world-class players and uh, when they pull on the Garibaldi, they're like completely different, but we'll see. And no injuries, please. That's the main thing. But you never know. We might get... Uh, well, depends. We're a club that should probably have a little bit of an affiliation with Wales at the minute, but uh, you never know. Wales, England, USA. That's not right off Iran, of course, but uh, that's uh, an, an interesting group. Someone's going to be uh, coming back uh, into the fold earlier than uh, than, than expected. Um, yeah, well, I'm I, I'm not so sure it's uh, a bad thing, but only on the basis that we're going to come back into Carabao Cup. So we're going to go from a couple of friendlies into a competitive game, but that perhaps isn't all right. We don't want to lose to lower league opposition, but at least we're going to have a chance to just take it up a gear before the Premier League uh, return. So for me, I'm not I'm not too worried. And I actually think the break going out on the high would do us better than continuing to play and having a, a potential banana skin that derails everything overnight bit of uh, peace and goodwill to all men uh, on the red side of the trend. Yeah, I have to, I have to agree in the sense that because we won, we can sit and bask in that for three or four weeks. If we'd have lost, I might have felt a bit different about it. But um, yeah, it's surprising actually because you kind of think all the top teams have got loads of players going and the bottom ones haven't. And that's largely true. Um, but actually, you look at Liverpool, this might be a great break for Liverpool. They've not actually got that many players going. I think it's seven total. Um, so you look at them and I think Newcastle as well wasn't massive uh, from from memory so I, it could really it could really throw throw a spanner in the works for a few teams um, but then there's some down the bottom like Leeds and Bournemouth that I think have two each maybe um, haven't got a lot of players going either so um, yeah we'll have to see how it goes and then you've got teams like Everton who are sat 17th who are going to Australia for, for a friendly tour because they want to make some money off it so more for them I think yeah, I hope that uh, that bites them, to, to be honest. Right, well, no Forest games to predict before we go. So, World Cup predictions. Uh, who's, who's taking it? I've had a gut feeling for a while that Wales will finish above England. Interesting. Could they go all the way or would you put money elsewhere for that? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, to be honest. But um, no, I, I, I don't know. I just get a feeling that England have got the potential there, but I don't think they'll fulfil it. Yeah, so I, think... I think they've got the potential, but I also think the fans are all ready to lynch Gareth Southgate before a ball's even exactly. Kicked, yeah, uh, which totally. doesn't generally bode too well. Uh, Dan, you would you uh, make a prediction for the World Cup? Um, it's been a while since Brazil have done anything, so I have to say I don't follow international football too closely, um, but. I wouldn't be surprised if if they snuck in. 
again people have talked about the weather obviously it's it's winter there so it's not like as searingly hot and the stadiums are air conditioned um, but there's always that thing about you know when you're playing what time of day what, what players are conditioned to and everything else so uh, I think a few people have put some like dark horse money on uh, Senegal to go further than people would usually expect I don't obviously don't think they'll win it but um, they could be an outsider and I'd like to see Wales go home very early with everyone covered in cotton wool and back in Nottingham resting up so if if for no other reason than to make Forest season better I'd like to see England finish top and the USA to finish second in the group fair enough right well on that note, we will say goodbye, but not before we give a shout out to friends of the podcast who will be out in Qatar. Alan's going to be out there uh, on announcing duties. Steve, Elliot, JMO, they're all going to be out there on some audio description uh, duties as well in some of the stadiums. So good luck to you lads. And we will be back. We're thinking of being back a little bit earlier than the resumption of the season. I think we're going to have a bit of a, a halfway review, which is going to be pretty reliant on input from the fans as well. So keep an eye on the podcast Twitter page. We will be asking for some input into things like goal of the season so far. What would our starting 11 be? Bits like that. So do get involved when you uh, see those posts go out. But until then, you Reds. Hey!